Good morning. Really glad you're here. There's an old boxing adage, it's the punch you don't see coming that knocks you out. Since Easter, we've been looking at punches that can knock us out. Seven challenges we don't expect, but that everyone experiences. Things like cynicism, disconnection, pride, emptiness, burnout, and irrelevance. Uh, you can find these messages at churchofvalley.com or we have a podcast if you'd like to hear any of them that you missed. Today, we're talking about compromise. Here are two definitions of compromise. The first one is from Google uh, and is the acceptance of standards that are lower than desirable. I I have a little experience with this. Um, When I operated a janitorial service to work my way through graduate school, it was so tempting to lower my standards because I, I knew the company would let it slide. I mean, if I just, if I just dusted the top of the desk, didn't worry about underneath it, you know, I could get away with that for a while. So I, I know, especially when I was tired and worn out, you know, it's like, mm, this, the standards can drop. Here's another definition from dictionary.com to make a dishonorable or shameful con- concession. I also have experience with this. When I was about five or six, I stole a piece of candy from the grocery store. And thankfully, I have a conscience and felt, I, I'm sure, a little twinge of, of guilt. Uh, but I, I got caught. By the grace of God, I got caught and avoided a life of crime. <laughs> but really, whenever you get caught, that's that's the kindness of God. Um, that that situations from early in my life, it, it, it's certainly not the last time I struggled with compromise. Compr- compromise blindsides us because often we don't see it coming. Compromise is in us, and circumstances bring it out. Are you ever surprised that you crumble under pressure and disappoint yourself in a choice you make? Our our thoughts are pulled like gravity to wrong ideas and goals. It's the way it is in our world on earth right now. Uh, The fight against compromise, it starts in our head. So we need to keep our mind on a very short leash and direct it to the right places as we deal with the tendency, this pull of like gravity toward the wrong things. Our our mouth gets us in trouble at times when we blurt out negative statements based on what's embedded in our hearts, things like jealousy, envy, frustration, or or cynicism. We blow up on others in high-pressure moments. Uh, We do things like yell at the kids to stop yelling at each other. That can happen. We blow up on a coworker because they dropped the ball. And when you do that, uh, all of the trust that you've earned over months and years dissipates in a moment. We compromise when we do what we think will make us look good to others. Uh, we want to be accepted. We get pulled into compromise by wanting other people to have a 
good opinion of us. One way we compromise in this is that we can bury ourselves in debt because we want to impress and we over overextend ourselves financially. Do any of these resonate with you? Uh, under pressure, we can easily start drifting toward compromise. And we can uncover this drift by recognizing some signs of a drift toward compromise. First, there can be a growing gap between your public and private life. You want to appear a certain way, you put on a mask, but when the mask comes off, when the circumstances create a situation where the mask comes off, you're a very different person. Next, you hide things from others. We, we hide things even from those who are close to us who should be in the know. We start sneaking. <clears throat> Third, you fail to follow through. Have you been saying what you will do, but keep stalling to do it? Keep putting it off? Fourth, you start justifying your actions and choices. It, it's a constant battle in my head to refuse to justify wrong thinking and wrong things I've said or done. We, we look at what we said and done and we tell ourselves, well, anybody in those circumstances would do the same thing, wouldn't they? <laughs> it's just understandable. It's a fight for me to not do that. Finally, life becomes all about you. If we get self-centered and find ourselves having little or no time for anyone else, even those who are important to us, we're drifting toward compromise. We're, we're in the danger zone. Maybe you've been here before or maybe you're here right now. The reality is we all compromise because we're all compromised. That's the picture that you get in Scripture. The reality is uh, we can't escape compromise because we can't escape ourselves. The Bible shows that no matter how hard you try, you can't escape you. About two-thirds of the New Testament was written by a man named Paul. He had a deep impact on the spread of Christianity. He was a catalyst in starting many, many churches in the first century. He helped many people to know and follow Jesus Christ. He taught early Christians what it means to live with Jesus as their new boss, as the boss of their life. And God inspired and preserved his writings for us. God had Paul write down a portion of the Bible that has been a tremendous help and encouragement to me. And this, this is the passage that we're going to walk through this morning. But it, it helps us to chart a path forward to deal with compromise and sin. And I think you'll find it a help to you as well. Paul's words resonate with my experience and show all of us the way out of compromise. Romans seven, nineteen through 24. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law 
that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I want to do it. I delight in it. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? We bring whoever we are into every situation, and at times it is agonizing. Paul's blood-curdling honesty here is an encouragement to me because perfect people are a discouragement (laughs) because I know I'm not even close. I'm not even close to perfect. So God has Paul put this in the scripture for our encouragement. This is his intent. Honesty breathes life into us. And I'm so grateful for this. Paul's saying a lot about human nature here and our sinful condition. Through his words, we learn that compromise is a constant threat. He says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. I can identify with that. I've yet to have a perfect day. Looking forward to that in heaven. <laughs> it won't happen here on earth. I, I I get this. If if I'm honest, I do the same thing. Next, he says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Now we're surprised by this. Often we shouldn't be. We we should expect there to be pushback, resistance, as we set out to do good. We should expect a fight to, to ensue as we set out to do what's right. We don't expect that. The idea we have in my mind, or in the idea I had in my mind when I first started following Christ is that, you know, it's just, boy, from here on out, I mean, it was a cathartic moment when I finally admitted my sin to God and he... He forgave me, and I sensed his love and forgiveness. And then, you know, don't you just float along from that point on and just do right? That's not, that's not my experience. So I'm really glad Paul wrote this down and God had him do that. He talks about wanting to do right and then doing wrong. This can be confusing and perplexing. It blindsides us, but this is the battle we should expect. We shouldn't be surprised by this. Like gravity, we're pulled down to compromise unless we learn to fight and direct our thoughts to God's perspective in the right way. Paul draws a conclusion at at how this inner turmoil leads to misery. Wretched man that I am. Wretched here can mean suffering. I think it means more uh, this nuance, miserable or distressed. I I get so frustrated with myself at times, and I have been that. Oh, God, would you deliver me from this? We're so blindsided by doing the wrong that we don't intend to do. 
And then we get blindsided by the shame that comes after. Paul asks a question here that we should all ask. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He answers his own question with heartfelt gratitude. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Jesus Christ won the war. He purchased my freedom. Praise, praise him for that. But the battle rages on inside of me and continues until the day I die. This is the reality we live in. So in my mind, I, I want to do right. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do all that he says. But sin is still active in my flesh and pulls me down like gravity to do the things I don't want to do. This means I'm tempted to compromise when the pressure's on. And when I think I I have an opportunity to get what I want by ignoring God's law, that's, that's the heart of the temptation. For the Christ follower, this is reality for life on earth until we get promoted to heaven. Heaven will be a place when we always do right, we never compromise. But until then, the battle continues inside of us because this is the way God decided to do it. Here's the way Paul said it in another book that he wrote. Galatians 5, 6, 7. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This passage shows that here on earth, at any given moment, a Christ follower is in one or two possible realms. The realm of the flesh or the realm of the spirit. In the realm of the flesh, what the flesh is referring to is my old ways and strategies for getting what I want. That's that's the Bible's definition of the the flesh. I use my old strategies, my old ways to get my way, to get what I want. And I draw on my own strength and resources to have what I think is best. In the realm of the spirit, I use God's ways and wisdom to do what he wants. And I do that by drawing on the resources of his spirit and trust him to give me the best life. I don't, I don't set my sights on what I think is best, but I take God's ways and do what he thinks is best. Normally, if, if we want to grow in character, if, if I want to grow in character, what, what makes sense to us is that growth is going to happen by pure grit. In other words, we focus on self-improvement. This, this, this makes sense to us. For example, if we want to become a person of integrity and stop compromising, we work harder at it. 
it's just, I just haven't tried hard enough. I just haven't worked hard enough. We natively try to draw on our own strength to make growth happen, to do what's right before God, and so we stop disappointing ourselves. A normal way to think is, if we aren't changing, we're not trying hard enough. This is what Paul's saying about himself. He's tried, but it isn't working out. In Romans, we see this is not God's design for character growth and development. This is not how we grow in, in Christ. This is not how we grow spiritually. God says freedom from compromise is given by the Spirit. It's a gift from him. The key to growing in character is learning to cooperate with God as he works in us to change us. Paul expressed gratitude for what Jesus did to free us from sin. Then he states a truth that we need to keep telling ourselves. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I memorized this verse without even trying. Because I need it so desperately. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I'm beating myself up, when I'm wallowing in the shame of compromise or some other wrongdoing, I must remember that Jesus' work on the cross means I am not condemned. If you have decided to give your life to follow him, if you've turned around from going your own way and decided to to follow Jesus Christ, you are not condemned. That, that is freedom. I've got to remember that. So I want to walk through uh, how to realize the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. The first step in growth is to admit any compromise in sin. And accept the forgiveness that God makes available through Jesus' work on the cross. What this does is, this this allows me to move on when I've blown it. it. It also frees me to admit my sin, my compromise. Because I'm not justified my own, by my own ability to work things out in my mind or my own ability to make up for the wrong I've done. I am justified by God's grace and kindness and mercy, not my own justification. It doesn't come for me, not my rationalizations. If I apply his payment to my sin... I don't have to wallow in it anymore and try to make myself pay. He already paid the price. It's done. He set me free. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The reality is, if I allow him and cooperate with him, his spirit sets me free from the shame of my sin. 
Second mental choice, that's, that's the first one. I admit my compromise and sin. Second, I refuse to condemn myself. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pull my thoughts out of the spiral because I, I can wallow in, in guilt. I can beat myself up and I tend to spiral. And it's really counterproductive because I'm, I could be freely forgiven if I turn to Jesus and, and confess my sin. But I need to realize that. I need to accept God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ and refuse to condemn myself, which is where I tend to go. The third move is to set my mind on the things of the Spirit and then aim to live according to the Spirit. Look at Romans 8, 5, and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The moment you choose to follow Christ as Lord, God's Spirit takes up residence in you. But the flesh is also remains, it also remains in us until the day we die. From that point on, when you decide to follow Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, which is an amazing thing, the choice is yours. The choice is mine. Are we going to live our old way according to the flesh or live God's way by his spirit? And it's a fight. This passage shows us the path to freedom and growth. We must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, what this means is, we're going to talk about the fourth move. I immerse myself in the resources of God's Spirit. This, this is what it takes to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. To do that, I have to immerse myself in the resources of God's Spirit. We, we grow by living in the realm of the Spirit and setting our mind on the things of the Spirit. A fish finds freedom in the water, uh, in the confines of, of the ocean. Here's, here's a picture of some fish that are out of the water. That's a beautiful thing to fishermen right there. Um, out, out of the water, they, they don't survive very long. If we're not immersed in the things of the Spirit, the resources that God has given us to grow in Him, we don't do well. We gasp for air spiritually. We flop around. We blow it because we're in the flesh. We need to stay immersed in the realms of the spirit. So in the, in, in the resources of the spirit, our spiritual life is like those fish. We must build habits that keep us immersed in the spirit 
Spirit's resources to grow. We, we don't do well without them, like those fish. To avoid compromise and grow spiritually, we must make the choice to discipline ourselves to stay immersed in God's resources. We need constant reminders and help to keep our minds set. That's the command. Keep your minds set on the things of the Spirit. We, we need constant help with this. So God's given us resources to help. Resources of the Spirit are prayer, the Word of God, in other words, the Bible, fellowship, which, which happens as you, as you continue, as you work together and get engaged in a community who's following God together. So, fellowship and ministry. In other words, trying to take what God is teaching you and how God has helped you and figure out how to help other people with that. So, this is, these are the resources. These are the things that God uses to grow us. In different ways, God uses these things to help us stay on track. Our part is to choose to build habits that keep us immersed in the resources he's provided. We, we grow and change because God changes us, not by our own effort. We must aim to build habits like praying every day, reading God's word, attending worship where you hear God's word spoken, where you sing praises to him, plugging into fellowship, which in the, in the Bible, the word translated fellowship often, it was originally written in Greek, it, it means mutual reciprocity. So you get in relationships with other Christians in a church community who serve you and you serve them back. They give to you, you give them back. You give back to them. You, you, there's this sense of, Wow, we're, we're connected to each other and we're serving one another and we're aiming to be a blessing to each other. And then, uh, the, the, the last resource is ministry, which is trying to help others know more about God. And as we do these things through these resources, often what God does in me it, he shows me that I need to get out of the realm of the flesh and back into the realm of the spirit. That's why we need constant reminders. If we're going to keep our minds set on the things of the spirit, we need a constant reminder to do that. That's, that's the way it is in this world. So God shows me as I'm immersed in these resources God shows me which realm I'm in and whether or not I need to switch realms, whether I need to get out of the flesh back into the realm of the spirit. Over and over, God shows me my wrong thoughts, my words, my deeds through these resources. And that's when I realize I'm in the flesh and I need to get out of it. If we don't know we're in the realm of the flesh, we don't know when to switch. When I pray, if I need it, and if I ask him to, 
God convicts me of sin. He, he shows me my compromise. When I get into the Bible and read it, or I hear it taught, or I go through a memory verse, or someone shares an insight related to the Bible, it cuts my heart like a knife at times. And God shows me, wow, Randy, you're in the realm, you're in the flesh. Get out of there. It shows me when I'm in the flesh and I need to get back into the spirit's realm. When I hang out with godly friends, when I'm in fellowship and I'm serving and being served, when I'm sharing insights and being shared with, I, I'm encouraged to do right as they choose to do right. I get challenged by their example. When I aim to help someone else understand God and his ways, I have to think about how I have to work it through my own heart and mind and think about how to explain that. And his truth sinks in. It sinks in more deeply than it would if I just kept it to myself. If you've been drifting toward compromise or wallowing in it, maybe, decide to get out of the flesh and back into the spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, you have that opportunity. You and I don't grow through self-effort. But we grow by admitting our wrong, by accepting God's forgiveness, by building habits that keep us immersed in the resources of God's Spirit, and by letting God change us through those resources, by cooperating with Him. With that in mind, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to find the connection card that you began to fill out early in our service. I want to wrap up here. Um, please take the time to finish filling out the front uh, and on the back. You can sign up for some things if you'd like to. Uh, and then on the back of your listening guide as well, I've suggested some next steps. First of all, uh, the first next step is to commit my life to follow Christ for the very first time. If you've never done this, and you're at a point where you're just, it makes sense to you to do so, I, I want to encourage you to commit your life to follow Christ as boss, to accept his forgiveness of you. You may be frustrated with yourself, uh, and you're, you're ready to get a new boss. And so I'd encourage you to uh, follow him. And if, if you want some more information, if you'd like to meet with somebody about that, on the back of the connection card, there's a spot where you could say, contact me about uh, clarifying my commitment to Christ. We'd love to meet up with you and help you with that decision. Another step you could take is admit a wrong and refuse condemnation. Maybe you're wallowing in it right now. Just, just confess it to God and refuse to get into condemning yourself. If you're a follower of Christ, you're free from that. And then another step could be to draw on the resources of the Spirit, especially, and you could circle one of these on your listening guide if you'd like, 
prayer, the word, fellowship, engaging in community and mutual reciprocity or ministry. Maybe God's laid it on your heart. You're concerned about somebody and you want him to use you to help them know more about God. Think about that. Ask, ask God to help you do that. Get help from somebody more mature than you to do that. And that, that in itself is a resource that God uses to grow us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that truly does set us free from guilt and shame and condemnation. I, I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for paying the price on the cross that, and the freedom that earns for us. There is no condemnation for those who are in you, Lord God. And I praise you for that, and I thank you for the freedom you you paid such a high price for. We bless you, God. We thank you. We honor you. And we ask for your help to set out to do the steps that you've laid on our heart today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.